1: This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings and now with their pink bonus series there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right Grace with the
0: bonus prize money up for grabs the pink bonus series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing making Inglis a fabulous partner to Ladies Who Punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media.
1: Field is ready. They're racing in the
0: Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and with me today... As always is my co-host, Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace.
1: Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening to another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Well, we are off the back of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. What a week it was at Flemington. The four race days were absolutely amazing, like none of it disappointed at all. Um, very deserving winners of the Group 1 races, so many stories, really um clean racing as well you know like it was there wasn't any incidents there wasn't anything that was you know up in headlines or anything like that it was just a really good week to showcase our sport to the wider public and what about the crowds fee like there were so many people at each and every day I think Melbourne Cup Day 88,000 was something we haven't seen in a while obviously with COVID and everything that we've had over the past few years but it was fantastic to see the grandstands the lawn just every part of Flemington Racecourse completely full with people having a great day.
0: Yeah, Grace, it seems like racing is back. It was incredible to see the high quality racing. Everyone looked to just have had the best time on course. I wasn't down there myself uh, as a, you know, someone who works in the industry. It's quite a busy time of year for us behind the scenes, (laughs) but it looked incredible. And you're right, the sport was at its best. So easy for the participants to enjoy, you know, whether they're new to racing or old hats, like it was just incredible. And, you know, Racing Victoria and the whole community and all the stables and trainers and all the workers have just put on an incredible spectacle for the sporting community. And there seems to be such a buzz coming out of it, which is is great for the sport because, You know, I feel like the sports reputation took a hit over the last, you know, maybe five or six years um, due to, you know, some very unfortunate incidents. So it's great to see it back on the rise and to see that the changes that Racing Victoria have implemented going into Cup Week are really taking effect and having a really positive effect on the sport, which is so good to see. So this week we move on to the Thousand Guineas and the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes, Now, Grace, these races have never been held on this date before. This is a new race meeting that they've set up to sort of extend the spring. What does that mean for the programming of these horses and and what we're seeing in the horses lining up in this race?
1: Well, it's really interesting, Fee. As you mentioned, this is the first time um, in history that we've seen this race day on the 18th of November this year, you know, always the week after the Melbourne Cup Carnival, host two Group 1s at Caulfield. It's a completely new restructure of these two races to put them at the end of the carnival, to sort of extend the carnival to, um, I suppose, capture and, and build on the audience that we've had over the past week and get them to, you know, remain attentive to what's happening in the sport of horse racing for another Saturday. So we've got the Thousand Guineas, which is normally run throughout the years some days it's been run on Caulfield Guineas Day sometimes it's been run on the Wednesday between Caulfield Guineas Day and Caulfield Cup Day obviously now it's um essentially a month later than it normally would be the other one is the group one Sir Rupert Clark Stakes that we have this Saturday that's normally run two weeks before the Caulfield Cup Carnival on the day that holds the naturalism the win and you're in the uh Corfield Cup race as sort of like the that was the group one feature race on on naturalism day Sir Rupert Clark Stakes Day. So this is a race that's been delayed six, seven weeks in terms of its regular positioning in the calendar. So what that means is that we have possibly a different sort of a, a makeup of the field. What it means for me is that I am actually a big fan of it because what it means is that we get more horses Um, there's more horses that have appeared on the scene that are ready to hit this race, especially for the three-year-old fillies because we know that three-year-old fillies when it comes to any, um, you know, three-year-old race, sometimes these horses are coming to hand at different times. Some of them we've seen race 15 times by this stage some of them we've only seen race once or twice by this stage but you know the ones with the race experience aren't necessarily the best ones they're just the ones that came to hand quicker and were able to hit the racetrack earlier so the delay of the thousand guineas in my opinion is brilliant because it means that we've got more time to get horses up and racing and fit enough and qualified to take on the group one three-year-old fillies and that's definitely reflected in this year's edition because it is wide open like there are so many different fillies that are coming from left right and center that all look to have well above average ability and we get to see them clash here so I'm a big fan of it Fee and the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes used to be held on Naturalism Stakes Day which was well still is um, two weeks prior to the Caulfield Cup Carnival so you know now the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes is being pushed back six or seven weeks um, so it's definitely out of its usual programming slot but it doesn't Really affect too much um, because these horses, 1400. This Group One is a 1400 meter Group One for handicap horses. So um, you know it wasn't a pathway leading into a big race. It has got the ability to, on its own, be a feature race and sort of move wherever it wants to be. And I think that's again what we've seen. You know, these the horses that are lining up in the Sarupa Clark Stakes this year, this Saturday, um, I think, is a very similar field to what we would have seen if it had have been back in its usual spot. So. Um, in fact, is probably a better chance for horses to get up and fit and ready and firing to take on a grand final at Group 1 level. So I'm a big fan of the fact that they've moved these two races to the end of the carnival, um, especially, you know, on, on the final day, Champions Day at Flemington last Saturday. Normally that day is a bit like, oh, a bit bittersweet because we're coming to the end of a massive spring carnival. We're all thoroughly exhausted, but it's been so much fun. But to be honest, I genuinely felt pumped to get back to Caulfield the following Saturday for two more group ones so I'm a huge fan fee
0: yeah I think it's really interesting like what you were saying how it's been moved and when we were when I sat down and did the form for this race there are a lot of horses who are have who are so deep into their preps now and then and then there are those who are coming in for sort of the back end of spring and in summer racing so I think we see that sort of clash that we see Almost at the start of spring, we're seeing that now because of the way that this is programmed where there's horses that are up and fit and then those who are building up for the the next season, for the summer racing season. So it's an interesting mix. And I think the other point that's really interesting about extending the spring is what effect that is going to have on autumn. Because the turnaround between autumn and spring racing is pretty quick and a lot of our top horses have been... Sticking around, you know, in work for those extra couple of weeks. I'm interested to see how that's going to work going into the autumn. If some of these horses will start a bit later in the autumn than they normally would, or how it works with them going out for a spell and then coming back into work. So, going to be interesting to see how that rolls out over the autumn
1: i think fee it's a really interesting point that you're discussing there um and we'll only know when we actually see it happen in the next couple of months because essentially the autumn racing carnival starts at the beginning of february like we're Mm. talking about a blue no it starts even earlier like we're talking about the blue diamond at the end of february you know that's we're basically there (laughs) i know that's weird (laughs) to say But like we're in the middle of November, it's going to come around so quickly. Um, But I think one thing for me, the way I'm looking at it, is that these sorts of horses that we've got racing and extending their preps for another, you know, couple of weeks this Saturday, uh, the three-year-old fillies, well, you know, if these fillies are going to potentially be getting out to um, staying distances, they've got, so many different Oaks options. They can get up to Sydney in um, late March, early April as their grand final. They could even target Adelaide, which is in May. Um, If they wanted to get up for an Australian Guineas, then maybe that race held in March, they need to get their skates on to turn around quickly. I don't think it affects three-year-old fillies too much. Um, with the 1,400-meter handicap type horses, I actually love the programming because through summer, through December and January, we've got plenty of um, listed in Group 3 1,400-meter handicap races. So these horses that might not win the Super Clark Stakes but are running well, they can just keep up and rolling in those sort of races. There's plenty on in terms of options for them over the next few months in the racing calendar. So I think that the, the programmers, the Racing Victoria guys, really thought about it and thought they – to have these types of horses up for a couple of extra weeks isn't really going to affect them. In fact, it might only suit them in terms of the way the, the, the yearly racing calendar looks.
0: Yeah, right. And the other big thing that's happening on Saturday, Grace, that we have to mention is that this will be Damien Oliver's last Saturday. And so the Saturday is the last chance that we're going to be able to view Damien Oliver
1: commonly referred to as the GOAT. I know and this whole Melbourne Spring Carnival you know has been every day it's been Damon Oliver's last cox plate it's been Damon Oliver's last Melbourne cup um, so it is now at the point where this Saturday is the final time we're going to see him race riding, um, you know, in a, in a metropolitan race meeting here in, in Victoria, because then the next Saturday he's going over to Perth and he's going to do the, the main feature race days in Perth for the next month. And then he's retiring at the end of the Perth Carnival, which wraps up at, but just before Christmas. So yeah, this is our last ch- chance to see the goat in action at a group one meeting in victoria but i'm not sure because he does love damien oliver a sunday meeting at geelong in fact any meeting at geelong because he loves to go there and then he ideally will go for a surf um down torquay way either before or afterwards so we do have a geelong meeting on sunday we don't have acceptances yet i wonder if he's going to have a, a sneaky couple of rides there because it's something he's always loved doing but yeah you know it's it's really sad to see Damien Oliver retire obviously he's retiring on a massive high he's been racking up winners this entire spring racing carnival um but you know it is he's just been a part of the the racing fabric but more to the point you know, he's almost been the face of racing for non-racing people. You know, he's definitely mm. a person that's transcended our sport internally and become so familiar to just everyday Australians that might not know much about racing. So, yeah, a real a real loss to the industry he'll be, but um, he's achieved all there is to achieve, and <laughs> it's time for him to go at the peak of his powers.
0: Yeah, and I doubt he's going to be disappearing. I'm sure he'll be involved somehow with racing just – you know, out of the saddle. So I'm sure we'll still see him around. I'm sure, you know, he'll be getting deals left, right, and center to be involved with with racing still in in some capacity. So, yeah, going to be interesting to see where he goes next and what his next chapter looks like out of the saddle. Now, before we get into today's form, Grace, there are a couple of things we need to do a bit of housekeeping on. So firstly, we've got a little bit of bad news because we were set to be catching up at the Valley next Friday or another one of our ladies who punt race day meetups. We were going to go to the Valley for the night racing next Friday. Grace, we've had a little bit of clash on our calendars. Unfortunately, our work, you know, not ladies who punt, but our uh, regular jobs, uh, our work Christmas party has been scheduled for that night. So a little bit of a clash for us. So what we're going to do is postpone this race day meetup. We'll put up another poll in our Facebook social club to see when people want to reschedule this one. But apologies from us. If you were looking forward to that one, we will definitely
1: be rescheduling. It's just that time of the year, isn't it? Just that time of year. And this is
0: why February (laughs) is going to be on us within no time, because you might as well just put a line, well you might as well just rip December out of the calendar, right? Like oh, know. it's just so busy, especially for you, Grace. That's the other thing we have to talk about is Cup Week's finished for you, but you are like <laughs> so deep into wedding prep because we probably haven't mentioned this on the podcast, but you're due to – have your wedding on December, in the middle of December. So Yep,
1: December 16 is the day. Um, So we're looking at just under a month. Still yet to get a photographer organised and there's probably 8 million other things that I haven't yet thought about. So that's going to be really fun over the next few weeks. But my mentality and the way that I'm playing it for you is just cool, calm and collected. When some problem arises, I'll just deal with it and just – not think about it until then. <laughs> Let's see how think, this goes for me.
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone could picture you as a bridezilla. So I think, you know. <laughs> of course you're gonna be cool, calm and collected about it.
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. But um it is it is that time of year. And I tell you what, I also love Christmas. Like I'm obsessed with Christmas. So <laughs> I hate that December gets clogged because I almost mm. wish December went for two months and <laughs> I have already got some new decorations. Um they're not up yet, but like they're they're in my lounge room ready to to put up imminently
0: <laughs> oh that's so good um so yeah we will be rescheduling that race day meetup apologies for those who had already put it in their calendars uh and the other thing we have to talk about is our winners from last week's tipping comp for champions stakes day we had two winners on the day jamie lawrence and Di Hester, who uh both managed to get the lowest scores on the tipping comp. And for Jamie, I think that's the second week in a row. She's managed to take it out. So Well she's on a done, Jamie. Yep. So $25 each going to those two. And, of course, we'll be playing again this week for Thousand Guinea Days and Sir Rupert Clark Stakes Day. So if you're keen to get involved in that, make sure to head to our uh, member's sign-up page so you can play along. And, Grace, another thing we're really excited about outside of racing today what day is it today? It's Thursday, the 16th of November. You and I were chatting about this early this week. What is
1: coming out today? The crown. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yes the new season of the crown i'm so excited it's the last season though which is so sad so sad but you know they they've
0: got to bring it back you know probably in like 20 25 years when we're a little bit older and got a bit more time on our hands to watch a lot of tally. i'm hoping they'll bring mm-hmm. it back and catch us up because so much has
1: happened recently oh I know. And that's the thing. They probably can't get too deep into like what's happened in the last few years because it's too all soon. still a bit too soon yeah. and too, it's still Absolutely. happening. So you're right. It's the last season for now. But then let's see in 15 years time, they have to do something about it.
0: What is going to be your viewing tactics for this show? Are you going to binge it in one sitting or are you going to spread it out? How are you going to, um, how are you going to go definitely- about
1: it? It's definitely going to be one that I watch when Ben is not on the couch with me because I think he would prefer to stick pins in his eyes than watch The Crown. So um, it's going to just be like scattered across, um, you know, a week or two weeks whenever I find a chance. But I do need to get it done before December because I remember one time I was smashing The Crown like in the lead up to Christmas and I was like, I should be watching Christmas movies right now. This is not (laughs) ideal timing.
0: Uh, scheduling clash for you
1: it's a scheduling clash each and every year
0: <laughs> well i think i'm probably just gonna binge it adrian pretends he doesn't like it but then he really gets uh, into it so i've got to sort does. of like yeah i sort of gonna force him into it and then he's and then he's really invested by the he's last hooked. episode <laughs> yeah. so i think we'll probably binge it over the next few nights i'm so excited
1: uh- So for anyone who hasn't yet heard of our new Ladies Who Punt Members Club, there is so much on offer, launched only in the past month, of course. Um, Amazing benefits. My personal favorite, our brand new exciting tipping competition.
0: Yes, Grace, the tipping comp has been so popular with a $50 cash prize every week, but there's so much more on offer for our members. Mm -hmm. You get our exclusive members newsletter each and every Friday, which has extra tips from you, which have been going very well in the last few weeks, (laughs) as well as my form indicators for the group one races. We offer ad free episodes of the podcast so you can get everything straight to your ears without the ads and we also offer free merch to people that sign up to our members club so you can either sign up monthly for $15 or annually for 180 lots of fun to be had can't wait to have you on board
1: yeah and it's just a great chance for people to also show their support to what we're trying to achieve in ladies who punt it's our passion project and we would love for you to come on board with our new ladies who punt members club
0: Okay, back to our racing content, Grace, because there's plenty to cover today with two group ones on the card. Let's start off with the 1,000 guineas, 1,600 meters for the three-year-old fillies. Group one, of course, we're at Caulfield this Saturday. Bit of an open market here, Grace. We have two $4 favorites as we are recording number three, Skybird, and number two, Kawer Volante. I hope I'm saying that correct. What do you think? Is that the way you say it?
1: (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) It's Ker-Valant. Ker-Valant. did I it. say? ker <laughs> Something like Cur-
0: that. Number two, Ker-Valant. Volante or volant? volant? Volant. Okay, Volant. All right, I'll go with you. <laughs> you're, you're the expert. Um, so they're both at $4. <laughs> and then we move down to number six, Jolie Star. And then number four, Arctic Glamour. Jolie Star's at $6 and Arctic Glamour is at $8. Grace, open market, what are you thinking for this one?
1: It is a really open market, and that is reflected by the fact that there are chances galore in this race, and this is why I really like the – the fact that we've delayed it a couple of weeks um, because in times gone by, the 1,000 guineas has sort of been a race where you've just got the same fillies racing each other and, you know, they they clash in a group one and then some of them will continue on to the Oaks. So it's almost not even necessarily a, a grand final in its own right. Like, yes, if you win or, or run top three, it's a massive boost to your pedigree. So plenty of intent there, but it was still just a stepping stone for some of these fillies. Um, but now it really feels like a place on the calendar where trainers can say right let's lock this in as our, our target race and let's build a preparation towards it and that's what we're seeing we've got horses coming out of all different sorts of races we've even got um a horse down the bottom who's got some sort of a chance number a 13 quick start she's only had two starts and she hasn't even won a race yet um so it's a real a real um melting pot of different form lines uh but i must admit the two at the top of the bedding both look exceptional fillies. We both of them um have won three races. Skybird's yet to be beaten all this prep. So I think in any year they would be right at the top of the market for a thousand guineas. I think they're both very, very nice fillies.
0: So we've got two really competitive fillies at the top of bidding, four dollars each at the moment what's the speed map looking like for this race on saturday
1: well the group 1000 guineas is being run out of the 1600 meter start at caulfield this saturday um and given that we have a lot of these fillies that are stepping up to the mile for the first time it's one of those races where i can imagine that many Horses, many fillies that have drawn, you know, barriers one, two, three, four, five, six, they're all going to want to land a spot just behind the speed. They're going to want to do no work and they're going to want to get the softest run just in behind the speed, but close enough to be within striking distance to win. Um, and because they all want to be in a clump just behind the speed, it makes me think that there's not really going to be too much tempo in the race. I think a filly by the name of Ursa, number 11, um, she's been, she's got really good gate speed. She's drawn barrier 12 and, she is probably one that from that wide barrier is sort of forced to roll to the front and get to the front and then potentially even number 10 vibrant sun might look to cross with Ursa as well they've sort of got they don't have many options those fillies drawn wide it's either you go back or you go forward you can't just try and blend in chances are you'll get posted deep without cover so they're probably the two leaders but given so many fillies just want that soft suck run behind the speed, I don't think they're going to go too f- too fast here, uh, which means that it probably is set up for horses that are, you know, forward of midfield, not too far back with too much work to do on what I'm expecting to be a relatively slow tempo.
0: Interesting. Uh, I was sort of hoping it was going to be – run with a little bit of tempo but interesting that you're you're reading it that it's going to be more of a sort of sit and sprint setup so who does that favor grace if we go through the list of runners
1: well i'll tell you who it doesn't favor and it she's probably good enough to overcome it anyway but the one at the At the speed map and the one that's drawn a barrier, which is probably not to her advantage, is Skybird, one of our favorites. And the reason that I say that is she's drawn barrier two, um, but she gets a long way back. She doesn't have much gate speed. You see, go back and watch her replay. She sort of just flops out of the barriers. Um, They let her balance and she just storms home that is the recipe for the type of horse that on a slow tempo um, barrier two is not ideal because they're going to be back and buried. And once they get clear, you know, needing the, the gaps to appear at the right time, generally it's still hard to run down those horses that are on speed or have had a run closer to the speed that are there and have still got heaps Left in their tank as well. So, generally, that's a bit of a like an alarm flashing saying, mm, This is not a good setup. However, Skybird in three starts, she's unbeaten. She continues to get right out the back on slow tempos and she continues to just towel them up anyway. <laughs> she's very, very good. Mm. She has um, an electric turn of foot. So, and that excites me because it means that while Barrier Two is not ideal, Um, she might be back and buried. She has the class. She has the sprint in her legs to still, once that gap opens, to take it and go past horses very quickly. So uh, it's probably not the end of the world for her because she's just very, very good. But Still, it's some sort of a query. Uh One filly that the, the types of fillies that the speed map does favour, number one, Komochi. She's had so many recent starts. She's been up in Sydney. She ran second in the group on flight stakes over 1,600 metres. That was going back, um, you know, uh, two months ago now. Uh, she, she's yet to win a race this preparation, but she's never finished worse than third. So she's always thereabouts. And Craig Williams from Barrier 4 will have, every possible chance like it's a perfect barrier for komochi um and i also really like the way that curva launched the the other one at the top of the market in barrier five she's just going to get the perfect run in transit
0: yeah skybird is a very interesting one as you said she's unbeaten this prep and going back and watching that last start in the phillies classic at the valley It was quite a low rating race, five lengths off standard time, Grace. And when I went and watched it, she had a lot of luck in that run, didn't she? Like she was way out the back and she just managed to get this inside rail run and had to do like no work, like the whole field just fanned out and gave her all the room in the world. And I think you're right, like barrier two on Saturday, like she's going to be riding for luck again. And I'm not sure she'll get that same run that she got last night at the valley, I think obviously she's very talented. So you're right. She can totally overcome it. But I think um, your your thoughts on how this race sets up, like there's going to be for me an element of luck involved. Now, Komochi, you know, she had a very hard run, last start in the desir- desirable. She was wide basically the whole run with no cover. I thought it was a very brave effort from her. She has been running while well this prep Grace, but I'm still not sure like she's, she's the one on Saturday. I just think she might find a few, a little bit faster and a little bit speedier than her, especially on that sit and sprint sort of a, uh, race map. I do like number two Curvalant. I thought her last start was really impressive. Um, I was hoping for her benefit that there was going to be maybe a bit more speed early for her in this race, but th- if I had to split. You know, her pick between her and Skybird. I'm going to go with her. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm with Kervalontia. Look, I um, I can't wait to see both of the fillies, Skybird and Kervalont, and anything else that, you know, we haven't yet seen the best of. I can't wait to see what they do against each other because um, we could have some really handy fillies and then mares in the future um, on our hands here. But the reason that I like Curvalant and I'm, I'm going her way is that. Her first up win at Mooney Valley, this preparation where she sort of was out the back and finished. Um, weaved a passage, finished off really strongly off a fast tempo, was great. But then her last start in the 1,000 Guineas Prelude, over 1,400 metres at this track, she sat behind a really fast tempo. And we know that because if you go and have a look at the racing.com website and watch the replay and have a look at the sectional breakdown, the sectionals tab there, you can see that they were really flying along. And if you go and have a look at the replay, everything that sat on speed around her faded and was really tiring late, but she stuck on so strongly, which to me, you know, she was entitled to get tired there but she didn't so that was very very encouraging to see at only her second run for the campaign she was able to sustain a speed and even kick off that fast tempo um, and hold them all off to win by a length and a bit so for me she was the run of the race and she was um, only second up there now third up going into this race a month between runs not the end of the world just only a lightly raced philly barry five blake shin there's a lot to like about curvil so she's the way that i'm going but I think Skybird's got a great winning chance, obviously. It's just she's going to need the luck from Barrier 2 and if she gets those splits, she will show an electric turn of foot. Karina Queen, number five, is a filly that I've been watching. She was only Mm -hmm. narrowly beaten by Mm -hmm. Skybird last start and she's on the way up. And then you've got a filly called Jolie Star, number six, who James McDonald is riding here for Chris Waller. Again, this is the sort of filly that if we had the Thousand Guineas back in its usual programming um, on, you know, during the Caulfield Cup carnival. She probably wouldn't have got there because she's just taken a little bit of time to get Now she's fourth up, and she was fantastic in the Desirable Stakes, a listed race on Oaks Day. Um, From the rear of the field, she motored home, and she definitely looks like she's peaking at the right time. And she's drawn a great barrier and barrier one to be just behind the speed. So there are definitely fillies around the mark here, but the two at the top of betting deserve to be right there. And I'm siding with Curvelante as my on-top selection in the Thousand Guineas. What do you think, Fee?
0: Yeah, I think you're bang on there. The two at the top of betting are certainly the ones to beat, and. And there's so many different options that could fill up second or third. One that I thought was really interesting was number 12, Vibrant Sun. She's coming into this race having just won her maiden over 1700 meters. So she's coming back and trip 100 meters, but she's one that really sort of caught my attention in that in her race leading up that maiden win because she won by eight lengths. She looked super impressive, but also, like, she's still mentally got a lot of improvement to come. Uh, the start before that, she ran second to roll on high, who has since beaten Jolly start and Komochi Kimo- in the desirable stakes. So good form from that start. And if you go back and watch that replay against roll on high, she was going really well in the straight. And then roll on high gave her a massive nudge sideways, like a pretty big shove. And poor Vibrant Sun just looked absolutely like, what just happened to me? Like she looked completely (laughs) stunned by what had happened. And it took her like a hundred meters to sort of compose herself because she's just veered out like off the track. And then it took her a hundred meters to compose herself and then go, Oh, okay. I feel okay now I'll keep going. And she really picked up and, and sort of rallied in the last hundred meters. So I feel like she's a filly that mentally is on the up and I don't mind seeing her back in trip to 1600 meters, but I think she's paying quite a good price maybe for a placing Grace, or do you think there's mm. two there's too many other good horses in this race for her.
1: No, that's the beauty of this race, Fee. Like there are so many fillies in this that we just don't know how good they are yet. And you're absolutely right with Vibrant Sun. You know, she has done nothing wrong, has she? She's run behind a good one, copped a big bump there. Um, That form has been franked subsequently and then she goes out and wins her maiden by eight lengths. So she deserves her place for sure. Um, And she's got Damien Oliver aboard and I think – from Barry 10 they might try and go forward and if they get there and she's done not much work, she can be very strong late too. So I definitely think that, um, you know, if you're keen to follow her and think that she's got a good winning chance, I'm not going to talk you out of it at all.
0: Yeah, she sort of captured my heart a little bit, this filly. So I think I might have a little each way mm-hmm. on her uh, rather than trying to split the the top two.
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> okay, well, That's the 1,000 guineas done and dusted, Grace. And now we move on to the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes race eight on the card. 1,400 metre group one handicap. A full field here, Grace. We're going to have 16 horses lining up. We've got three Emergencies and it looks to be a pretty good addition do you think
1: it is a very wide open addition that's for sure look there's no there's no natural top weight who is screaming i am a multiple group 1 winner and i deserve to be the top weight i'm going to be the one to beat who are the contenders you know come come chance your arm at beating me but um because of that it is extremely competitive i'm like i'm not convinced that it is the best group 1 Sarupa Clark stakes that we've seen because of that factor, but it is very open and there are some really nice horses in it Mm. that probably are deserving of winning a Sarupa Clark stakes and becoming that, um, you know, group one handicap winner. So uh, it's a really interesting race. And I think there are lots of people that are going to have lots of different opinions when it comes to our tipping competition for this one.
0: So if we take a look at the market, we have number 11, Magic Time, as our favorite, $3.90 just to reflect how open the market is. And then we move on to number two, I am me at $8.50. And then straight Acer, $9.50 $9.50 third line of bidding. I guess we better start with a speed map again. Grace, how is this one shaping up?
1: Well, we've got our boy Buffalo River Drawn Barrier 19 and if you've been <laughs> listening to our podcasts for a little while now, you know that means one thing and that means that he'll be going straight to the front and he'll be bowling along at a pretty solid speed. So thanks to Buffalo, we know that we're going to have good tempo on here, which is important because we've got a massive field. Um, we want every horse to get their chance we don't want it to be a sit and sprint where the back markers just have got no chance of getting into the race because of how slow they're going up front so i think buffalo river goes forward um we might see i am me potentially from barrier 10 she might look to cross as well and then you've got horses like wrote to arataki barrier 13 she likes to be up on speed she probably rolls across as well um crosshaven he likes to be thereabouts he'll be just in behind as will bandersnatch so i I don't think it's going to be um a messy speed map i think we're gonna see the noted leaders go forward and everything just fall into formation in behind unfortunately a horse like Munimek, number 12 he's going really well and they've you mark this as his target mm. race for a long time. He's drawn barrier 18 and he's a back marker. So he goes yeah. right back to the end of the field and that's a long way away when you've got a full field of handicapped horses, um, you know, 16 going around. He's going to have to do an awful lot of work to get into the race.
0: Yeah, let's start with him because he's one that I flagged as, like you said, he's he's going so well. His last start in the Damien Oliver, a group two over the same distance, was so good. He was held up just in the last 100 metres and, would have been right there in the win, uh, if he'd had clear galloping room and he's only second up in this race grace. So there's so much improvement to come from him, but yeah, the barrier is certainly a real downside here at barrier 18. Uh, is it, is he going to be good enough to overcome the horses that are rock hard fit and, you know, closer to the speed it's, it's tricky and you can see why for those reasons, he's paying a bit of a price each way money for sure. Let's talk about the favourite magic time. She comes through the invitation up in New South Wales, Grace. What did you think of her chances on Saturday?
1: Well, I tell you what, Fia, I find it hard to understand how she's a $3.90 favourite in this race. She's definitely got a chance, but I think she's way under the odds. I think that – she was two dollars eighty, so she was well backed in that last start that you mentioned, the invitation up in Sydney, and that was you know a pretty strong race in in its own right because you've got Espiona who's absolutely airborne. She won that race. Ruthless Dame is a Group One winning mare. I think Magic Time was good there, but now it's a whole different category going up against hardened um, handicap geldings like the likes of munamek and um, i mean there's plenty in this race and she's got to in my opinion go to the next level again like she couldn't she didn't win the invitation she was good but she found a couple that were just better than her on the day her prior start was um also okay over 1200 meters at rose hill where in a group three contest again against only mares she sat on an even speed and kicked and won um she's only been at 1400 meters twice i think she gets it but she's not strong at the end of it and i think you'll need to be strong at the end of it when we've got the likes of buffalo river and wrote to arataki who are going to go forward and set this up um as a genuine run race so She's definitely got a chance, but to me, she's way too short. I don't think she should be favourite, in fact. Barry 15 is a bit tricky. She gets the light weight, um, but she should because she's a mare up against the boys here. So I'm actually definitely working around her when I'm trying to work out the winner of this race and solve this puzzle.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. Like I watched The Invitation and I wasn't blown away by her run. Like, yes, she was good, but you're right. Like she wasn't strong to the line over that 1,400 she looked like she looked to be fading, and I was a bit like, I can't believe this filly's the favourite in this race. It's it just sort of puzzled me a bit. If you don't think she should be favourite, who do you think is the biggest threat in this race?
1: Well, and and again, because there are going to be so many different opinions, I don't think that all the money is going to come for one horse in particular, and we're going to see you know Magic Time displaced as favourite. But I do think Magic Time will drift. So mm-hmm. come come 10 minutes before the race, I think we might be seeing a much um, longer price, you know, potentially $4, $55 about magic time. The money will come for a heap of different horses here, but the two that I'm gravitating towards um, is number three, Straight Acer, and number seven, Ayrton, and I think at $9.50 and $15 respectively, I think that there will be money for both of these horses. Um, one of the main reasons for that is that straight ace has drawn barrier four and Ayrton's drawn barrier six, like absolutely perfect map horses in this race. They can both just land midfield, forward of midfield, do no work, and they've got the class to be really strong late in the finish at this 1,400-metre handicap contest. Straight Acer is coming down from Sydney. So the one thing that straight Acer needs to be able to do is handle Caulfield, which we've seen many times and we've discussed it, that sometimes Sydney horses that haven't or aren't used to going Melbourne way and are, and are used to just racing Sydney direction all the time, they come to Caulfield and they it's a really tricky track. They just get it wrong and they get a bit lost around the bend and they get a And, you know, in a split second, um, they can lose a length or two and that costs them a race. So Straight Ace has got to overcome that. But he is very – he's just going very well, this horse. You know, his first up run for this campaign was back in July and it was in a Class 1 at Hawkesbury. And he's just kept on winning all the way through to a benchmark 88. He then was a narrow second, a massive run in the Silver Eagle. Uh, at Randwick, which is a Golden Eagle lead-up race. And then his last start in the Golden Eagle itself was also enormous from the rear of the field. So um, I think that Mark Zara now jumps on board, like no better big race jockey at the moment. He's just absolutely flying, winner of the Melbourne Cup and a host of other um, big races this spring carnival so far. So I think that straight Acer from Barrier 4 will hopefully look to land a spot midfield, uh, no worse, and He's got what it takes to be good enough when the gaps open to be right there in the finish. And at $9, I think he's a great bet. And then the other one I mentioned was Ayrton. Ayrton's such an interesting horse because he burst onto the scene as a younger horse with, like, the whole world at his feet. Everyone was saying mm-hmm. this is the next big thing. He's going to, you know, go on and win everything. But he had a um, an incident where he was bitten by a spider and it really knocked him around. He was um, obviously it became quite a bad infection and he was out of action for a long time. But not just that, in subsequent campaigns he's come back and just been um, a shadow of his usual self. You know, he started short price favourites first up in in suitable races and has done nothing. Then they give him another run and then they say, no, you're not right, we'll tip you back out. And he's done that a few different campaigns now. But this spring fee, he's now a six-year-old gelding. For me, we've got proof that he is back Mm -hmm. in a big way. Like this is the real Ayrton that we've seen. Um, as a younger horse, he won first up at Caulfield. Uh, that was in a listed race. Market, again, was a bit gun-shy thinking, well, what Ayrton are we going to see this time around? Started $5 there but was way too good. Time was good. Um, and then he was in the Damien Oliver as well where we've got a host of these horses, um, Munimek, which we've already talked about, cause for concern, won that race, of snatches here as well. So that's a, a, the real one of the real form references for this, Ayrton from Barry 15 had to go all the way back and was super late. Like his Mm -hmm. late splits were the best of the race. Um, They didn't go hard. They went slow. So that was against him. And that's sort of the prime example of when you don't want a back marker in a slow run race because they can come home in scintillating late splits, but it's all over Red Rover. Now Barry 6, perfect. 54 and half kilos under handicap conditions, perfect. Tempo on, perfect. Third up, ready to peak, perfect. So I need the real Ayrton to continue to show us that he's here, and I think that he is a great each-way bet at $15.
0: Yeah, between those two who you've just been talking about, straight Acer and Ayrton, I think I would be going more with Ayrton, the barrier from, you know, 15 last start to number six this weekend is perfect. Like you said, we just need him to be that little bit closer and, you know, uh, cause for concern who won that last start in the Damien Oliver. She is sticking to her weight in that race, 53 kilos. Whereas, as you mentioned, Ayrton comes down two kilos. So does Mm Mutamek. So that's been something that's been really interesting. Me looking at this race is how the weights are playing out. And a lot of forces are coming down in the weights from their previous runs. One that comes down four kilos, Grace, is Crosshaven, who had a very, very good first up run last start in the rising fast stakes, a group three of 1200 meters. He had the fastest 200 meter split of the entire meeting that day, Grace, what do you think about him? He's paying a bit of a price at the moment.
1: Yeah, you're right, Fee. Wasn't that a massive first up run from Crosshaven? Um, he's a horse that is a seasoned 1,400-meter handicap campaigner, I would say. He's had mm. 32 starts. He's won six races and he's been um, a place getter another eight times. So he just goes around and he just continues to run good races. He's always thereabouts and this is his absolute pet distance. But – There is definitely a sense of timing in the fact that he's only, um, you know, so early on in his campaign, he's still got plenty of freshness in his legs and he showed that um, amazing dash that, to be honest, Mm. we haven't seen from Crosshaven in quite some time to suggest that he's feeling extremely well as well. And Barrier 5 is perfect. Dan Stackhouse will have so many different options um, of what he wants to do from there, but likely he lands a spot forward of midfield. And 52 and a half kilos, like that's mm. the beauty of this handicap contest. You're always looking for those down in the weights that are on the up. And I think that he's definitely one that fits that category. So um, another one that you can have an each way bet on for sure. Yep. He
0: certainly looks to have come back really well, this preparation. My only concern... I guess with Crosshaven, is he, he's a little bit of a tricky horse, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not sure if he's going to do two good ones in a row, if that makes
1: sense. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so definitely.
0: it can be tricky to find. So we'll see how he turns up. If he turns up in his, in similar fashion to last start, I think he's going to be up there for sure. Grace, another one I wanted to talk about was number one, Volani, because he's also coming down two kilos He's our top horse here, carrying 57. I love the barrier for him on Saturday, barrier one. He's got Damien Oliver aboard, who's going to have a lot of intent on Saturday. The only thing that I'm a little bit disappointed about after watching his last start is that there's no headgear going on this horse, because watching his run, I thought he was doing really well, like was certainly trying, but I feel like he maybe wasn't putting his total focus on moving forward. Like I just would have liked to have seen Mm. him letting down just that little bit better. So I'm a little bit disappointed after watching that replay and checking that there's no gear changes for him on Saturday. If if he had that, I, I would be actually quite keen to be with him.
1: What did you think about the lana? Yeah, that's really interesting, Fee. Um, I'm just having a look. I don't think he's ever had blinkers on in the past either. So and and I, I completely agree with what you're saying. You know, in a group one grand final, to see some headgear going mm. on would give you that confidence that they're going to be able to get his focus um exactly where it needs to be. And the whole idea of of that is that when a horse is focused about one thing and that's you know running forward as fast as they can and not worrying about the horses outside them you're going to see improved performance so um i think that's a really interesting pickup from you and you're right if we had have seen that you would have thought right he can go a length or two better potentially on saturday but um even still he's a horse that we know his level we know how good he is and we know that he was in the mix, only beaten a length and a bit in that cause for concern race, but um, there are others that I prefer to mm. be with like Ayrton out of the race who I think is ready to, to go to his next level for the campaign. Valana might do as well, but, yeah, I just think that there's more to like about Ayrton than Valana on Saturday.
0: So you're going each way on Ayrton in the Sir Rupert Stakes?
1: Yes, each way on Ayrton, and I'm interested in straight Acer again um, as well. So... Maybe both of those horses is the way that I'm going to play it. What about you, Fee?
0: Yeah, tricky one for me. I'm almost tempted just to sit out on this one and just and just enjoy like it's that what we were talking about at the top of the episode. There's some horses that are sort of one or two runs in that are really looking like they could take the improvement to win this race. But then there's horses, you know, like cause for concern who won a last start, but is so deep into a preparation that it's it's hard to know you know, if she's come to the end of it. And there's just that real crossover in this race. So I'm not confident enough, I think, to be with anyone. I think your line of thinking is is the one that I'm going with though, that it is between sort of Ayrton and straight Acer. But also wouldn't be surprised for some of these horses that are just a couple runs in to cause a bit of an upset.
1: Yeah, just one more, or one more point to raise. Two mares in the race, Skewif and Rota Arataki, both last start winners in Group 2 contests, and Skewif is a Group 1 winner back in New Zealand. They both are going really well, and I think Mm. that they can both take it to the next level and peak on Saturday. But the problem is they've drawn Mm. wide barriers, both of them, 12 and 13. So they can win, definitely. Like I would not be surprised to see especially Skewif now just like go and win, but it's just the barrier. It makes me a little bit hesitant. Um, makes me think Ayrton's going and Straight Ace are going to get the perfect runs, and that's going to help them in the finish.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's why I'm I'm sitting out. There's just too many like what ifs could
1: too many variables. Yeah, so many yep. variables it's a could real do it. Lottery maybe race maybe not.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to sit out in terms of betting, but I'm really excited to watch it because I would love to see skew if win. But yeah, betting going to stay out. Okay, Grace, well, those are our two form previews for Saturday. Two Group 1s on the card, but still a really good card overall for what we could probably call the final day of the Spring Carnival. Is that right?
1: I, I think so. It's certainly the last feature race meeting of the Spring Carnival. We turn our attention to Cranburn Cup, which um, is big, rich race in itself, but it's not at Group 1 level, so Yep, this is definitely the final the final feature race day of the Melbourne Spring Racing Carnival. Well, it's going to be sad to see it go, but gosh,
0: it's been so much fun. And hopefully our previews this week have helped you come to your own conclusions about who the winners are going to be. And for those who are playing in our tipping comp this Saturday, hopefully it helps you with your selections as well. And we are going to be back next week for another episode leading into the Cranbourne Cup, as Grace mentioned, is on next weekend. So plenty still to look forward to with Ladies Who Pump, and uh, we will catch you then.